everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Boom Boom Birdland. Today, my guest is Jack Graham. Jack was a catcher and was drafted in the 38th round of 2012 and was selected by the Baltimore Orioles. As a catcher, Jack played three seasons in the minors for the Gulf Coast League, New York Penn League on the Ironbirds, and on the Delmarva Shorebirds in the South Atlantic League. From 2016 through 2019, Jack was part of the assistant general manager operations. With this, it included Jack with the jobs of manager of game and team operations and director of game and team operations. I might have repeated that. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> Since September 2009, Jack has been managing the Aberdeen Ironbirds. That's, that's all correct, right? Uh, September of 2019, I became the general manager. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so... What does a full day look for you on game day? Sure. So typically on game day, um, I get here between 8.30 and 9 o'clock to sort of get in, um, figure out what's left over from the previous night that needs to be taken care of. I take a walk of the stadium to make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be, that the janitors overnight clean the ballpark effectively, mm -hmm. make sure that we're getting ready and getting set up for the next for uh, that day's game. Um, I you know check my emails, make sure that I'm... Uh, up to date with everything that needs to happen on that day's game. And then um, over the course of the day, I meet with different departments to make sure that if they need something that I can help them uh, solve a problem or or get ready for the game. Um, typically at about two o'clock, we have a staff meeting to talk about that day's game, talk about whether or not we have fireworks, if we have a special theme night, um, talk about if there's a giveaway, what is the um, what is the special sponsor for that night? What are we doing in terms of uh, entertainment? Who are we playing against? Um, you know, do we have any VIPs in the building who are going to throw first pitches? We talk about all the whole game and uh, and figure out, you know, what is everyone doing that day that might be special or different? And what do we need to do that that's just normal? Um, you know, 66 games is is a lot of games, but ultimately it. Uh, each game is unique and individual and needs to be properly prepared for. So um, then uh, at about 5.30, the gates open for season ticket holders. At 6 o'clock, they open for the general public. And um, 7.05, first pitch, we, we play baseball. So typically, most of the work that I do in a given game day happens before first pitch. Once first pitch happens, it's just sort of, you know, um, letting the people who who entertain the fans do what they do best so mm -hmm. it's uh it's a lot of fun and and it's a lot of work too so what do you do like when they play away do you do anything uh we are in the office five days a week when they're uh when they're on the road you know we're selling tickets for the upcoming homestand we're answering questions for fans we're making sure that we clean up after uh, a long homestand mm -hmm. um so we're we're here uh even when the team is not and uh, just making sure that the business of baseball is getting done, that we're helping customers and that we're uh, doing the other things. I mean, during the summer, the the stadium doesn't stop uh, when the team goes on the road. So we host high school graduations, we host weddings, we host um, uh, non-game day events, charity fundraisers, uh, youth baseball. So there's a lot that happens here, even when the Ironbirds are, are on the road. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so what does a full day look for you like in the off season? Is it packed? Is it not packed? 
Yeah, uh, the off season is typically busier than the than the season as far as um, the stuff that we're doing. Uh, the seasons of the, the off season is about six months, and the season is about six months. And during the off season, we have to plan all the stuff that happens during the year. So, um, you know, on September twenty second, the day after the season ended, we had to start, uh, you know, building the promotional schedule, the theme nights, the giveaways the sponsorships the ticket sales packages and so we're very busy during the off season calling fans having them buy their season tickets talking to groups who want to come out and rent the the party deck and eat crabs out in the picnic pavilion and um you know be a part of of iron birds baseball and so typically it's more nine to five you know we don't have a baseball game at 7 p.m we're not here until 10 30 p.m cleaning up after the game but we're here from 8 30 to 5 30 calling people, having conversations, planning our marketing, planning our operation, hiring uh, employees if there's uh, any vacancies, doing things like that. So um, the off season is typically a busier day. There's more stuff in a shorter window of time. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because you would think like in the regular season, it would be more packed. If you plan effectively uh, mm -hmm. in the off season, the season takes care of itself typically. What's your favorite part about being the Ironbridge general manager? Um, I think that the coolest part about uh, being the GM for the Ironbirds is having an opportunity to work with really great people. Uh, you know, we have uh, 15 full-time employees and everybody really just loves being here. We love baseball. We love, you know, the some people are Orioles fans, some people are Mets fans, some people are uh, New York Yankees fans. But um, it's really fun to be a part of a team of people who, we want to make sure that Lighthouse Field at Ripken Stadium is a family-friendly, affordable, safe, clean atmosphere for people who are from this area or people who are visiting to enjoy Ironbirds baseball. So being a part of the 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 organization and, and working with my coworkers is my favorite part. And uh, a close second would be uh, talking to all the fans who love the Ironbirds. They love uh, the Ripken organization and and they love this community and they, they're proud of the, the Ironbirds team. Besides like Orioles jerseys and the stands, what do you think the second biggest team jersey you see is in the stands? Uh, well, aside from Orioles and Ironbirds jerseys, um, <laughs> I would say that it depends on who our opponent is. Um, right. Mets and Yankees fans travel really well, and they're people from New York who who live all over the country. So um, we tend to see a lot of Yankees and Mets jerseys in the stadium when we're playing against those teams. And even when we're not playing against those teams, there's a lot of people who visit the Ripken Experience uh, tournament facility, which is across the street, who are from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, who they're playing a tournament across the street and they choose to take in an Ironbirds game while they're here. So they tend to wear their their hometown team paraphernalia while they're while they're here. That's so cool. Uh, how cool is it to work under Cal Ripken? And does that give you any extra pressure? You know, working for Mr. Ripken is awesome. Uh, I've been a part of his organization for about seven and a half years now. And um you know, the coolest thing about Cal is that he was a great baseball player, but he's a really good businessman, too. He's written several books about business strategy, and um, he's he's started multiple businesses, and he's got his philanthropy, the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. And, um, you know, it's really cool to find out from somebody who was so successful on the field as well as now off the field in, a, in his business environment. Um, so it's really a lot of fun, and I get to learn from him and grow and develop. And, uh, you know, also I get to represent one of the most iconic baseball brands mm -hmm. uh, of all time. So um, I don't 
I don't know that there's any more pressure uh, from Cal mm -hmm. because I think he knows that I want to succeed, whether I'm working for Cal or working for some other owner. But, uh, you know, I I want to succeed and I want him to be happy with the, the product mm -hmm. that we're putting out there and the way that the fans are interacting with our brand. Um, and really, it's it's not so much pressure as it is a resource to have Cal and to be able to use his name and use his likeness and his brand, his his influence in baseball to make sure that we're providing a great product for the local community. And he's from here, so he wants to yeah. be proud of the product he's putting out there. Uh, let's see. So since being the general manager, which of your players have you seen make the most growth when moving up to the big leagues? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because when I played here in Aberdeen, um, Chance Cisco and Austin Wins and Jonah Heim were all here at various times in, in Aberdeen with the Ironbirds, and they're all major league catchers. So it's yeah. really fun to see them uh, perform and see them develop and see them grow. Um, since I've worked for the Ironbirds in the front office, it's been really cool to see the Orioles team have more and more former Ironbirds on the club. You know, a lot of the guys who are making an impact this year, uh, Trey Mancini before he got traded, um, Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, John Means, uh, Cedric Mullins. There's so many guys in the big leagues. And now you look at Adley Rutschman and Kyle Stowers and uh, guys who who are recent Ironbirds in the last two or three years, they're all making an impact. And so, um, a lot of the guys who who are in the big leagues now, when they were Ironbirds, you looked at them and you said, you know what, that guy's special. That guy's a major leaguer. He's going to go. He's going to make an impact soon. And it's really cool to see those guys do that. But I think the guy who um, we did not expect would be so impactful uh, was probably Felix Batista. Mm -hmm. Felix was here in Aberdeen in 2019. He threw hard for sure, but he wasn't always the most accurate. Um, he started to figure it out here in Aberdeen. He got promoted to Bowie. He quickly went up to Norfolk, and this year he was lights out. He was a great closer, um, especially when Adley was there, helping him out, uh, guiding him, calling balls, calling pitches. Um, I think, you know, I'm really proud of Felix. I'm really happy for him, and um, I know that he he's the one that I think has made the, the biggest strides since being mm -hmm. here in Aberdeen. Uh, okay, so I'm just curious right now. What do you think about Dylan Beavers? Because I came to see a game, and – he played lights. It was the second game of um the championship. Played lights out. Yeah, you know it's it was nice to see Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian and a couple of those other draft picks mm -hmm. come up and make an impact at the end of the year. Um, you know, at the All Star break, the Orioles moved up a lot of our really uh, high profile players like Kobe Mayo, Colton Cowser, uh, Connor Norby, Cesar Prieto moved up earlier than that, and so um, it was nice to have some guys come up and make an impact who had been drafted that year. Um, we didn't get to see them in their first game because they were in Bowling Green for the first uh, for the first game. Um, but it was cool to see uh, those guys make an impact right there at the end of the season. And, um, you know, Dylan and Judd and, and those guys who were drafted this year, I know that if they come back to Aberdeen, if they get a, a chance to come back and start the season for us here in high A, um, we'll be really happy to have them make an impact here. Um, I'm guessing Holiday is going to be in Aberdeen sometime next season. Are you excited about that? We're we're looking forward to it. We hope that Jackson comes here. We hope he doesn't jump over us and go go right to Double A. Um, you know he's he's a young guy who's got a lot of potential, a lot of opportunity to make an impact in the Orioles system. So hopefully he'll come and spend some time here in Aberdeen and sign some autographs, hang out with some fans. Uh, you know, hit the ball, run, play mm -hmm. some defense. So we're optimistic, and uh, we hope he's excited to come and, and hang out with us.
Uh, let's see. Um, as with like past experience of being on the field and playing the game of baseball, how does that help you in managing the team? Yeah, you know, I think that there's um, there's a lot of reasons that come the people come to minor league baseball games. Obviously, some people are here to see the prospects and see the excitement of of the baseball on the field. And some people are here for the entertainment. Um, some people want to see the T-shirt toss, and they want to go to the kids zone, and they want to have a two-foot-long hot dog, and they want to, you know, uh, see the Star Wars night theme night with the characters dressed up. Um, so there's a lot of different reasons that people come to minor league games. So I, it's nice to be able to know that there are people who come and they watch the baseball game and they want to see the next level of prospects, the future Orioles, and then, you know, and I can appreciate that, and I have a good relationship with the team because I've been in their shoes. Um, and then there's the part that I have to explain to the team, like, hey, you know, people come for baseball, but they also come for for all these other things. And so we have conversations about, you know, hey, I need you to do the autograph meet and greet. I need you to, um, you know, take a picture with Darth Vader. I need you to be a part of this uh, promotion where we thank teachers on Teacher Appreciation Day. So uh, ha being able to have those conversations and uh, those players know that I've been in their shoes before, uh, it's always really valuable. Do you think so? Obviously, you talked about entertainment, whatever, Star Wars night, all those nights. Again, all this promotion's amazing. Do you think that like it promotes more kids? Because like when I was at, uh, saw Bowie play, obviously, saw you guys play, I feel like there's way more kids there than adults. And I think it brings like the kids into the game of baseball. And I think that's very great. Absolutely. You know, when I was growing up, there was no Netflix, there was no, uh, you know, Facebook, there was no, um, you know, virtual reality. I was out playing catch in the street with my friends. We were playing wiffle ball. We were going to baseball practice. We were, uh, you know, watching uh, major league games on TV. And so there's a lot more that kids can be doing today that's not, uh, you know, engaging in in watching sports. So uh, we have to make sure that it's entertaining. We have to make sure that there's other stuff going on. We have to make sure that there's other reasons for people to attend uh, the games and and be part of the environment. So. Um, it's super important to create opportunities for families to come and have a good time, uh, whether they are lifelong baseball fans or if they're just getting to know baseball as a sport, uh, we can introduce that, whether it's through Military Appreciation Day or Star Wars Night or, uh, you know, 70s Night, uh, when we get to sort of have fun and wear costumes and do cool stuff. So when you played with the Ironbirds, I know you played in the New York Penn League. Um, instead of the high East, was there any differences that you saw or? Yeah, I mean, the caliber of play is obviously much higher when you're in the high East. Those are guys who have been in, in pro baseball for at least a couple of years. Usually, you know, occasionally you'll see a prospect like Dylan Beavers or Judd Fabian come up right out of college, right out of the draft, especially now that the draft is only 20, uh, it's only 20 rounds. But um, the caliber of player is much higher. I don't think I ever would have played in, in mm -hmm. high A. I don't think I ever would have been at this level. But um that's the biggest thing that stands out, uh, but the attitudes are still the same. These guys hustle, they work hard, they uh, they play hard, they want to be successful. And so um, the the results are better, but the the attitude, the personality, the the desire to succeed is is the same as it was back in the day when we were, you know, just brand new minor league baseball players in in short season New York Penn League baseball. Uh, let's see. So when you were the manager of game and team operations, what did you have to do? Sure. So I was lucky to come up in an organization that gave me a lot of opportunity to take on a lot of responsibility pretty early. Um, my role at, in running game and team operations was two different departments. So 
the game operations is the um, the stadium, right? So that's the ushers, the ticket takers, the EMS, security, fireworks, janitorial, uh, you know, facility operations, um, customer service, all the things that make the stadium run when once you get there. So um, from the moment that you park and get out of your car to the time that you leave, every person that you interact with throughout the stadium is part of the game operations department. And so, you know, if you go to the kids zone and slide down the slide, or if you go to the picnic pavilion and, uh, you know, a janitor comes and cleans up your table, or if you watch the fireworks at the end of the, at the end of the night, those are all things that they don't just happen automatically, right? Someone's got to be in charge of that person. Someone's got to schedule that person. Someone's got to hire that person. Someone's got to train that person. So my role was to be in charge of making sure that when fans came, they had a safe, clean, fun experience without having to think too, what do I do with this? How, how do I get here? There should be staff there to help guide mm -hmm. that experience. Um, and then the team operations is the baseball stuff. So as somebody who was on the field and has a good relationship with the Orioles, making sure that the team has the resources that they need, make sure they have that the field is ready, making sure that they have the uniforms that they need, make sure that the uh, music is on at batting practice, make sure that the, um, you know, clubhouse has the snacks that they need, all of the things that helps the team to succeed other than the actual baseball itself. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's the part of team operation. So I did both of those things, and it was a really fun opportunity to to learn a lot and grow. So then, when you were the director of game and team operations, was that any different? It was a little bit different. It was a little bit more responsibility, um, but really, it was just a, a promotion to sort of signify that I'd moved up and I'd gained some more experience, and I was uh, a little bit higher in the organization. So it was more of a title change than an actual responsibility change. Mm -hmm. And then. So is, was your main goal to be a general manager and would you possibly want to manage in the major leagues? You know, um, I I didn't really think about wanting to be a general manager. I, I really wanted to sort of get to know minor league baseball and get to understand what this industry is like and, and what it would take to be successful. I was lucky that I had good mentors. I had good people to learn from and I had an opportunity to move up very quickly. Um, and so I didn't really set out to become a general manager, but it uh, presented itself. And I'm lucky to have people around me who support me and help me be successful. Um, I think the biggest question about, you know, would I want to move up to the major leagues is, you know, is there an opportunity for me to make an impact in a in a club? There's some teams like the Orioles and Yankees and Phillies who their stadiums and their fan bases and their clubs have been around forever. And mm -hmm. so there's a certain expectation and uh, there's a certain tradition of doing things, which is great. There's nothing wrong with the way that teams have, have been successful in the past. But I think the biggest opportunity for me is hopefully to find a place where I can make an impact and, um, you know, help teams to evolve and grow and, and develop the way that they do things that might be different or unique. And so whether it's in the major leagues or here in Aberdeen or maybe for a soccer team somewhere, I just want to make sure that fans have a great experience at their uh, at their sporting event. So obviously I'm 19 right now. When you were 19, what, what did you think you'd be doing right now? I was hoping I'd be a major leaguer. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely thought that uh, I definitely thought I'd be be um, playing in the big leagues and um, living the life and winning World Series. So mm -hmm. um, when I was playing, you know, every morning you have to wake up and assume that you're going to be a big leaguer. The moment that you decide that you're probably not going to make it, you should probably just give up on it because then your heart's not in it. Mm -hmm. So I would say that 
you know, whatever that dream is, whatever that passion is, you've got to go for it. And, you know, eventually your your dream may change. But yeah. until then, you just got to push forward. Uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn and it said in college, you were a multiple all-time record holder. What are those records that you held at Kenyon College or still hold? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the time, I held the all-time fielding percentage record for a career and the all-time fielding percentage for a single season. It looks like somebody managed to have a perfect season, so I'm no longer the, the single season record holder, but I am still the, the all-time fielding percentage leader uh, for a career. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm like tied for fifth and tied for eighth in single season home runs. And I think I'm like fifth or sixth all time in, in career home runs. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and, and a great experience and a great school that mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have had the chance to go to if I hadn't been able to play a little bit of baseball. So then for fans that haven't been to an Ironbirds game, whether or not they watch baseball, they go to the Orioles games, why should they go to the games? Sure. Well, I'm glad we talked about the the other things that happen in minor league baseball earlier because, mm. you know, the entertainment that happens in an Ironbirds game is more than just baseball, right? It's not just balls and strikes and home runs and, and walks and things. Um, you know, we have great sponsorship uh, activations. We've got great entertainment at the ballpark. We have good food that people can enjoy. We've got the kids zone for little kids who maybe need a distraction after being at the ballpark for a little while. Um, we've got a lot of stuff that's not just baseball. And the best part of Lato's Field at Ripken Stadium is being around the atmosphere, being around your neighbors, being around your friends, your, you know, coworkers, uh, being around strangers who just are there to have a good time. And uh, baseball is is uh, an atmosphere where people choose to be here. No one's forced to be here. And that's the best part. We're all here to have, to have a good time and to enjoy ourselves. And um, it really, the, the community that comes out and supports the team makes this experience a good one. Without them, we wouldn't be able to be successful. So I think people like to really enjoy that and, and be a part of that atmosphere. I do also find it cool. Like if you're at, uh, Canyon Yards, they had, they still have the kids area, but like you need the parents to go with the kids. Right. And like at, uh, Ripken's field, it's like the kids can just go off and do it. And like, I feel like they have more responsibility to go do that. And I feel like that's pretty cool, too. Absolutely. You know, uh, minor league baseball is a great atmosphere. It's family friendly. It's safe. It's small. Uh, people use the word intimate. There's no mm -hmm. seat in the ballpark where you can't see the whole stadium. Yeah. And so that's sort of the advantage is that you never feel like you're in this giant, overwhelming atmosphere where uh, you've got to constantly keep an eye on your kid or keep an eye on your purse or, uh, you know, you don't feel like you're a half a mile away from the nearest concession stand um there's there's just a, a a certain atmosphere where it's small it's easy the parking is free the tickets are cheap and you know you never know who you might run into your neighbor your friend your coworker. it's mm -hmm. a great atmosphere let's see so then what do you think about the savannah bananas and what do you think about their promotions and does that like interest you or does that come into like your thought when you when you guys think of promotions yeah, you know, Savannah Bananas are great for the game of baseball. They're great for entertainment. They're great for sports, um, obviously, because they're independent and because they're not actually playing competitive baseball. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they're not part of a league. They're they're more like the Harlem Globetrotters. They're great for entertainment. They're great for the sport of baseball. They bring great attention to to, you know, what we're doing here. Um, 
unfortunately, I can't have a guy, you know, have an at-bat on stilts. Um, <laughs> it would be really hard for me to convince any of the umpires to dance here in the <laughs> South Atlantic League. But uh, I think that what they're doing is phenomenal. I think that the um, the people who are who are willing to be a part of that are are great. And um, I certainly hope that they come by on tour sometime so I can take in a game myself. Okay, so what do you think about the automatic strike zone? Because obviously I watched a game with it. I think it's the coolest thing coming up to baseball soon. Yeah, you know, the ABS system has a lot of advantages. And there's also ways where I think that we're going to see that um, – you know, it has to adapt to real life. Uh, I was having a conversation with Mike LaCasa, who is uh, director of baseball operations for minor league baseball at Major League Baseball's headquarters in New York. And realistically, it's good because it means that every strike is going to be called a strike and every ball is going to be called a ball, which is great. In a, you know, a 1-1 count, you need that pitch. It's got to count. It's got to be the right call. In a 3-0 count where a pitcher is struggling and maybe he needs a strike that's a little off the plate just to get him back in the groove, the robot doesn't care if it's 3-0. <laughs> the robot doesn't care if it's 0-2. And, and so uh, in tight counts, in baseball situations where um, that human element is missing, I think that we're going to have to figure out a way to make it work. And I really like the hybrid system that they're using, that they use in the fall league. They use the hybrid system in uh, in AAA with the challenge where they've always got the robot on. They've always got automatic balls and strikes, but the umpire can, you know, maybe make the situation make sense. If the ball that's just off the strike off the plate on a 3-0 count, if he can make that uh, pitch a strike, great. Let's move the game along, right? We don't need another walk. If uh, a ball is sort of down and off the plate, but it sort of clips the corner it's not really a hittable pitch and the count is 0-2, okay, maybe that's not a strike in an 0-2 scenario the way it would be in a 3-0 count. So I think ultimately we're going to find that the human element will never be removed from baseball or maybe, in my opinion, shouldn't be removed from baseball. Mm -hmm. But certainly technology can only make the game better. Yeah, And I love how, like, obviously in the NFL, if it's a replay with whatever game, the person's foot down or whatever, it takes forever. It's not going to take forever to call a ball or a strike. Right, for sure. And and it's a it's a yes, no, it's a binary, it's not a judgment call. It's uh it's a lot easier. So if it can make the game better, if it can improve the the outcomes, um, and without delaying the game too much, I'm I'm in favor of it. So I don't know if you know this, but who came up with the cowbells? Because great idea. Sure. <laughs> so for for your listeners, for your followers. Uh, instead of having a cowbell, C-O-W, we have cowbell, C-A-L for Cal Ripken. And uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Ford who's a good friend of mine. He used to work for the club. He worked for us for several years. And back in 2017, he had the idea for the cowbell. Um, so I have the original cowbell back here behind me. It's orange. It's that got the cool. number eight. It says cowbell on it. It's great. <laughs> it's got Cal's signature really little there in the middle, if you can see it. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael's really proud of it. So subsequently, we did a silver one. We did a blue one. And uh, if you're a season seat member for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, you're going to see a new cowbell this spring. So you got to wait and see what color that one is. But it's really fun. And uh, it adds to the atmosphere of the ballpark. And people go crazy for them. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. What do you think the best promotion this year was? Well, I can tell you that our most successful promotion every year is Star Wars Night. I've mentioned it repeatedly. People love it. 
Um, people love seeing the costume characters. They love seeing Darth Vader. They love seeing the lightsaber battles. They love being a part of the atmosphere here. They wear their special Star Wars T-shirts. Um, that's always our most our most successful promotion. But I think the promotion that means the most to us as a team and as a community is always Military Appreciation Night. Um, every year, uh, for the last few years, it's been around July 4th, we have a special night where we invite a thousand active duty military and their families to come to the game for free uh, on behalf of Lidos, the naming rights partner here at the stadium. Um, we have a giveaway from Lidos. We shoot fireworks. We have a great experience and it just means a lot to us to be part of the community. Aberdeen Proving Grounds is part of the reason that Aberdeen as a community has been so successful and has been so, uh, you know, uh, well taken care of over the years and so it means a lot to us to be part of that community and to um, be part of military appreciation night but you know over 66 games i think we had 40 or 50 promotions so there's a lot to enjoy regardless of when you're in aberdeen or when you want to come out to a game uh, let's see what was your favorite play that you ever made as a catcher gosh my favorite play that i ever made uh I'm sure that this is not the one that most people remember or that that I even would be most proud of if I thought about it. But there was a play I made when I was in college playing in summer ball for the Glens Falls Eagles. Um, we went up to Watertown, New York, and Watertown used to be a New York Penn League uh, uh, town, just like a lot of those teams that are up there, Utica, Albany, Little Falls. And Watertown has this giant field with a ton of foul territory. If you uh, If you've ever been, you know that there's probably... 50 yards between home plate and the first base dugout and it's just it takes forever to get there but that means that there's a lot of foul territory to make uh to make a play so i was catching and there was a high pop up behind home plate over to the first base side and i was running hard for it and i slid and i put out my glove to catch it and it hit my glove and it popped out of my glove and i grabbed it with my bare hand and and uh i held it up and the umpire called him out and it was a third out of the inning it was great um, that's the one that, that comes to mind first in terms of uh, the most the most fun, the most athletic I think I ever looked on a baseball field. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a very big guy. I didn't run very well, but uh, that was a lot of fun, and and uh, it's definitely a, a good memory. Do you think it helps bring, like, kids to the ballpark? Because I know, like, if you're in the front row or whatever, you can talk to players. Uh, when I was at Bowie, I was two years ago, uh, a guy by the name of Johnny Riser, you might know who he is, you might yep. not. Um, I came up with the name Johnny Baseball. So all my friends, all my friends like, oh, it's Johnny Baseball, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I always, I always talked to him, whatever. He was so nice. Uh, we ended up going up to Philly, was it? For the Penn, I don't know what team it is. Sure. But Bowie played them. And he went out of his way, whatever, to take a picture. And I, th- I just think that's so nice. And I feel like since you can get closer, whatever, do you think that helps bring people back to the stadium? Yeah, I think that the relationships that fans are able to create with minor league players helps to grow the game. Um, You know, people uh, in our community, they know that we're affiliated with the Orioles. They know that we're a minor league team. They know we're we're legit, right? But there's some people who really don't understand that because maybe they don't understand minor league baseball or they don't understand baseball as a concept. And to them, we're we're no different than the Savannah Bananas, but more boring. Mm -hmm. So it really makes a difference when you can explain to people these guys who are on the field, first of all, they're pros. They get paid. This is their full-time job year-round. They are professional baseball players. There's, you know, some people don't even understand that. Yeah. And so once you've explained that, and once you've explained, like, yes, they are professionals, but they're still making their way up to the top level, uh, 
people are able to make connections. They're able to cheer for certain guys. They're able to, you know, have memories like meeting Johnny Riser and having a fun mm -hmm. nickname and taking a photo on the field and um, getting a, a broken bat or something. And it creates lifelong fans, not only of teams like the Ironbirds or the Orioles, but also of specific players. Um, you know, Kyle Stowers will always have fans in Aberdeen because mm -hmm. he took the time to get to know fans and sign autographs and be friendly and just be a normal person who happens to be an incredibly talented yeah. baseball player. So obviously Stowers, that home run he hit. Do you watch it? I don't think that I got to see it live. I think we were we had a game at the same time, but mm -hmm. he uh, he's a tremendous athlete. He he was obviously very special when he was here in Aberdeen, and um, we're lucky to to have him on the list of former Ironbirds. So mm -hmm. um, I think he's going to be pretty special. He's going to make uh, a, a big splash in Baltimore uh, when he hopefully gets to be on the opening day roster this spring. So for and then finally for fans coming next year to the stadium. What player should they look out for the most? Goodness. Um, I think <laughs> that there's a lot of guys who are coming up who we're excited about. Um, you know, Delmarva had a lot of talent. They had a lot of guys who are still sort of getting used to professional baseball. Um, with last year being the first true full season after the pandemic, with uh, 2021 being a shortened season, I think that um, a lot of guys were still getting their feet wet, still sort of getting a, a feel for being pro ball, pro ball players. We obviously hope Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian come back. Um, I hope that Jackson Holiday comes and spends some time uh, with the Ironbirds. But I think that families and uh, fans need to also keep an eye out for the guys who maybe aren't uh, such highly touted prospects. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at uh, Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes. They weren't first-round guys. They weren't, or maybe they were, but they were not, uh, uh, Mountcastle was. But there are going to be guys like Batista who he's going to come out of nowhere and he's going to become a, a superstar because he works hard. He pays his dues. He wants to be successful and he fits into the system. So um, whether you have heard of them or not, the Ironbirds are going to have some pretty special talent next year. I also think, and you can say whatever you think about this, but like obviously being 19, like seeing these players play and knowing like, like Max Wagner just came out of Clemson. Like, the age difference between me and him like that that's crazy like i just yeah. find that insane yeah you know that's something that people should always remember when they're watching these guys play is they are pros they are adults they are you know going to be superstars but they're going to make mistakes too just mm -hmm. like we all do when we were when i was 19 it was uh, different than when you're 19 mm -hmm. now and it'll be different again in another 20 years so um you know people will remember how cool it was to see these guys at the beginning of their career and also you know again they're, they're just normal people so if they make a mistake they're going to try again next time mm -hmm. and then thank you so much for your time of course absolutely it was great to get to know you thanks for having thank me you. and and hope to see you again soon i hope to see you soon hey everybody next week we will be talking about the world baseball classic the ins and outs of it also for december 6th and december 5th um, well, December 5th, I'll just put the, uh, what is it called? The all MLB team on my story at, at Boom Boom Birdland on Instagram. So that's where a lot of stuff's going to be uh, that I won't be able to put up because if I'm ahead of the game or like ahead of the schedule, uh, that type of stuff. Um, December 6th, I will be going live on at Boom Boom Birdland uh, on Instagram for the inaugural draft lottery. 
I don't know the exact time yet. Uh, so sorry about that. And then the AL and our relievers of the year, I'll announce that on my Instagram too. And then December 7th is the Rule 5 draft. So we can talk about that hopefully in a future podcast. I'll also post stuff about it on my story, so Instagram story. So go look out for that. I'm also thinking of starting like Instagram shorts to spread information. And thank you guys for spreading this podcast. And I can't wait for you to listen next week.